Good morning. How do you follow that? Like, man, listen, I have nothing you're going to, I'm not going to paint anything. But that was really cool. Thank you so much. I think that's a huge blessing. I really do. Thank you very much. That was, I like, that was really good. But to those that don't know me, my name is Oscar, and it is just a joy to be here with you this morning. Um, you know, I was extremely excited when Jay asked me to please come and share because for many reasons, one of which is that it, for me, Church and the Redeemer is, has a very special place in my heart that oftentimes I feel like I'm coming back home. And um, it is just extremely special to be here. The other reason is because um, I knew that I would have a small chance of probably, honey, don't laugh, probably wearing a robe. You know, I'm thinking, oh, I'm going to be able to wear a robe. This is so exciting. Um, but unfortunately, that didn't take place. Um, but nevertheless, the reason it's so important to me is just because wearing a robe for me, um, it was much more of a symbol that I am a priest in my community, just like many of you, whether you wear one or not. Word in a word for me, I was thinking, wow, I'm clothed with Christ. That is so cool. That is so cool. But they didn't have my size. <laughs> but I do know this. I do know this. Um, one day, one day, the way John writes in the book of Revelation, we will be all wearing white robes. Those who are followers of Jesus Christ will one day... Like the scripture says, every nation, tribe, people, and language will be having those white robes with palm branches in hand, and we will be singing all together, salvation belongs to our God who sits on the throne and to the Lamb. And I'm so excited for that. They're going to have my size. <laughs> Tell you what, they will. Um, you know, I often try to explain to people, hey, I'm going to the Church, church of the Redeemer. And they, they say, oh, that's cool. What, what is that? I'm thinking, well, church of the, is the church that I went to. What kind of church is it? I'm like, well, how can I explain a liturgical church to you? So, well, these guys, this community, this community of people, they have little booklets. And in these little booklets, they pray from these little booklets. They read scripture to one another corporately from these little booklets. They sing together from the little booklets. And not only that, when you really look at it, um, you look around, like they don't have not even a flat screen TV. There is no projector going on. There's not a screen every, anywhere. Um, but yet, yet, the movement and the rhythms within the gatherings are such, are put together in such a way that it is so hard for you not to be confronted with the very presence and the message of Jesus Christ. It is so hard, so hard. So this is why I love coming here. Because the way things are set up is for you to be in the presence of Jesus. And they're like, really? I'm like, oh, yeah, it gets even better. They come to you and they ask you things like, how are you doing? And they're like, really mean it. <laughs> like, really mean it. And when they ask you, how's it going? It's like sincere, sincere. You know, and in, a, and in a time, I believe in a time in which we're in right now, 
in the middle of a pandemic, in a time where we're going through an intense moment of just voting itself, in a time where people are going through some serious racial tension, the church, which you, Redeemer, are marked by, the church needs to be in a posture of genuine, honest, face-to-face posture where you give actually the dignity and humanity back to the people that has been stripped away from that. We're in that position. And my family and I, I'm so glad they're here with me this morning. Um, they weren't here in the first service, but they're here. Um, and we really are so grateful for you. Um, you guys have been to us a blessing. A blessing. And you guys are always going to be a blessing to us. So we're very grateful for that. This is why, uh, for me, uh, the passage of scripture that I told Jay that I want to speak from is found in 1 John 1 through 3. And so the reading says, So what great love the Father has lavished on us, that we should be called children of God. And that is what we are. The reason the world does not know us is that it did not know him. Dear friends, now we are children of God, and what we will be has not yet been made known. But we know that when Christ appears, we shall be like him, for we shall see him as he is. All who have this hope in him purify themselves just as he is pure. See what great love the Father has lavished on us that we should be called children of God, and that is what we are. Um, I don't know about you, but for me, I need to be reminded of this, especially in the times that we're in, that God has lavished his love upon us, and it's not only called us out, but also called us into the world in which we live in these days. I was reminded of this as I was speaking um, to my friends, and as I was preparing um, this, this talk, this sermon, um, I was reminded of my, my daughter. I was reminded of my daughter because given the pandemic that we're in and given the racial tension as everything began to unfold, um, I knew that as a father, I needed to do a good job to help my kids process what's happening. Because right now, our children are going through many, many challenges, which they have never been, they never anticipated for it to come. Like remote learning. Like this is not normal. Although they glued to a screen, they have to process this. They have to process the racial tensions and what are they seeing in images. So I sat down with my family a couple months back, and um, I wanted to see what are some of the cultural biases they may, they may have. What are some of the things that they're noticing? What is really God saying to their hearts? And so I began with a simple question, and maybe you guys could really help me with this. And I asked a simple question. All right, guys, so what do you think about when you think of peanut butter? What comes to mind when you think of peanut butter? I heard somebody say jelly. Yeah, think of jelly. Like, all right, cool, association, no problem. I got a little bit more intense and I asked the question, what comes to mind when you think of Hispanics? And my son says, good food. <laughs> good food. <laughs> because his grandmother, my mom, was an amazing cook. Amazing cook. Um, what comes to mind, I ask, when you think of a white person? And we're all kind of like, look at Vanya, my wife. <laughs> You know, and we all laughed. What comes to mind when you think of a black person? And we're like, they, I, don't, I don't know, just 
I don't know. What comes to mind when you think of an Asian person? I don't know. And at, that, at this point, they were thinking, why are you asking these questions? And I asked, and I told them the reason why I'm asking these questions and, I'm, and I want to know what your thoughts are is because unfortunately we're living in a culture that because of the color of your skin, because the way you look, you ought to be a certain way. There's a certain narrative you have to play out. There's a certain storyline you have to play out. And while I'm saying this, I've been catching my daughter's face begin to turn and get serious. And I told my, my family, listen, regardless of what the color of someone's skin is, regardless of how they look, they were made in the image of God and they're precious to him. So much so that he was willing to die for them. And so what we're going to do as a family, we're going to continue to treat people the way we would want to be treated. Because when we treat somebody the way they, we think they should be, then we're committing a sin where com this is completely wrong. That is wrong. And we will not do that as a family. That is not the mark of the church. At this point, like a father notices the changes in, in, our, in our kids' faces. Um, my son is like, yeah, you're right. No, yeah. And my daughter was just stealth. It's completely stoic looking. And I asked my daughter, what are you thinking, Ava? He said, you know what, puppy? In my music class, and then the tears started. There are only Hispanics there, and, and so there was a group of girls that always talks about me and spreads rumors about me that are not true, secretly behind my back. One day in music class, we were assigned new seats, and one girl was supposed to sit by me. And she was in a group of girls that didn't like me, so the teacher told her to go sit by me, but she really didn't want to. And she kept looking at her friends, and they were laughing and whispering, and she kept refusing. So finally, the teacher gave in and let her sit by someone else. And at this point, my daughter was just bawling, all out bawling. And then she continued on, and she said, and papi, I have black friends. And my black friends came, and they asked me, they came and confronted me, and they asked me, are you black? You don't look black. You don't talk black. In fact, your parents aren't even divorced. As if we were supposed to be divorced because that's what black people do. They have divorced families. Then she told me, you know, papi, and then they have my Latina friends. They came to me. They said, you don't even speak Spanish. Do you even like our food? And at this point, she was just bawling. And everything inside of me as a father wanted to just run to her, grab her, and bring her close and let her know that it's going to be okay, that I love her very much. But yet I, choose, I chose not to. I chose not to. Because I wanted her to experience and sit with the discomfort and the reality that she was experiencing in the moment. And as she sat there, I asked her the question, okay, how did that make you feel, Ava? And she says, horrible. Made me feel real bad. And she wept some more. And I told her, you know what? Now you know. Now you know. Now you know, and you've been given this gift of knowing. Now you know what it feels like to be judged because of the color of your skin or being given a narrative, a story that you're supposed to be that you're not. Now you know, and this is a gift, Ava, because now you know what the pain is. So now when you go back to school and you go back to the cafeteria, 
you go in there and you seek out those people that nobody wants nothing to do with. People that are normally quiet. You seek them out and you treat them the way you wish someone would have treated you where you were completely feeling that pain. Now you treat them that way because now you know and that is the gift that the church has. We ourselves have been lavished with God's love. We did not deserve that. We did not. Yet God still poured his love out towards us. And because we know this, because we're made in this image, we have, we have the opportunity, the grace to now do that and return to others. For some of us, it has been extremely painful this complete season. It has been, it has been amazing. It's, it's been hard, very hard, to say the least. To say the least. And I get that. I get that. But you know, what I did was, um, knowing how hard it was going to be, I came with a $20 bill to give to you to make you happy. Okay? So this is for you. It's for you. Would you take it if I crumble it? We still want it? Yeah? No? Yeah? Okay. What if I were to go ahead and take the Tony Bell and I drop it on the floor and I do one of these? Put some dirt on it. Still want it? Look at you. I know you're looking, girl. You're like, hmm? How about now? You still want it? Okay. What if I spit on it? Would you still take the $20 bill? Yeah? Why would you take the $20 bill? Yeah. It has not lost its value. It has not lost its value. In the midst of this pandemic, in the midst of a national election, remote learning, in the midst of social constructs that are in place to deface the humanity and dignity of people. There are people who like this $20 bill that feels as though they've been crushed inside. There are, there are folks who feel as though they've been stepped on. Folks that feel as if though they're not clean enough to even step into a church building. There are folks who are hurting, hurting. Yet the love of Jesus Christ says, no, you're still worth dying for you're still worth dying for and so I want you guys to know that if that may be you whether you're looking at YouTube you're looking at looking at me right now or you're in this room and you feel yucky understand that your worth has not changed has not changed this is a story I want to share with you that I did not share with the other service two weeks into our school year I'm a dean at a school at a middle school and um, two weeks into this, into uh, this school year, I noticed that our attendance was dropping and there's a lot of issues with attendance. And there's one particular student that they, she just missed straight, all days, completely absent. So I took it upon myself to say, you know what, this is not good. Let me go check because at this point, um, unfortunately, we only have one um, outreach person in the district that has to cover five schools and the freshman center, and he has a lot of work. But let me just help out. So I went to go visit the student. And when I went to go visit the student, one of the things that um, I knocked on the door, mom opened the door. I go, hey, you know what? Uh, my name is Richard Dupuy. I'm just here to check on your daughter. I want to see how you guys are okay. You know, is there anything you need? And she said to me, thank you so much for coming. 
because unfortunately my husband who works he lost his job because he got COVID and because he lost his job we couldn't pay for the phone bill to call somebody and because of that we haven't been able to eat and so we've been getting food from the bus that comes by and drops it off and now we had no communication with the school because we have no vehicle as well from that moment, it crushed me. And it made me realize if there's just one like this, and I've only visited one home, I can't imagine out of the over 750 students how many more are like this. And to be quite honest with you, there's many more like this. In fact, this past two weeks, I found homelessness. I've, I found families that don't even have electricity. Why? because of the situations that they're in, because of the pandemic, because of the social structures that are there, because of the reason, because, of their, because they're black, because they're Hispanic. Yeah, that is, that is a reality in which we live in right now. And I see it every single day. Yet the church is what we do is we go and we seek them out. We acknowledge their face. We acknowledge the fact that they're people and we treat them with dignity the way we would like to be treated because we were lavished with the love of the Father when we did not deserve it. So I don't know how much more time I have, but I pray that you and your genuineness, as you continue to just be you, you continue to step into these hard conversations that you guys are having. It takes a lot of bravery, a lot of bravery. It takes a lot to stay in the discomfort of the conversations. It takes a lot to simply be the church when you rather not deal with it. So blessings to you.